Okay, so just a little disclaimer before we get going on today's podcast. Uh, I am in quarantine. I am in my bedroom right now recording this. And so uh, my audio will sound a little bit different than Daniel's audio today. And so we wanted to give that disclaimer to you because he is in the office using a phone and uh, we are we are recording from his phone um, through the airwaves into uh, our mixing board here at my house. And so, man, I am so thankful for technology. So just a little disclaimer before we get started. Welcome to the Three Questions podcast, where we take questions from our church family and do our best to answer them from a biblical worldview. Um, Jeremy and I both have the privilege to serve the Lord's church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church. Jeremy Johnson is the pastor of community outreach and media, and I get to be the pastor to young adults. My name is Daniel Snow, and if this podcast is helpful to you, please uh, please feel free to share it with someone or to subscribe or, or anything that yeah would help you or help someone else. And, um, and so today, we are going to get going. I just want to ask Jeremy a quick question about, uh, because he has had to be in quarantine for at least a week now. Um, Jeremy, what, uh, what is quarantine life like for you? And it is such a weird thing to be in quarantine because my family is in the other side of the house and I have to stay in our bedroom. And so, um, man, it just, it just stinks being in this room by yourself, but you know, for good, for something that's good as, is that, you know, people, people bring you food, set it outside your door. And uh, yeah, that's hard to, yeah, that's, that's a good side. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you fill your time with a lot of, um, Hallmark movies. And so I'm, I'm right in the midst of some Hallmark mysteries as we speak. Nice. Nice. And always unpredictable. I mean, you never, you never know what's going to happen with the Hallmark. You, movies. you never know. I mean, you just never do. Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, solitary confinement is not great. And so we're going to be glad when you're able to get out of that. Me too. I'm so ready to be out of here. Awesome. Okay. So the first question that we got today is one that I'm going to deal with. And it is, is it okay for Christians to read fiction or should Christians only read nonfiction, as in like personal growth type books or biographies? Um, so is it okay for, for Christians to read fiction? And first off, I would just like to say it is good for Christians to read. Period. Um, that's awesome. That is an awesome thing. Obviously, first and foremost, hopefully goes without even saying, uh, the Bible is the thing we, we want to consume and read more than any other thing but that that being said it's it's good for us to read other things as well um mm-hmm. god gave us a mind because he likes for us to think and uh reading does take time and so really we're we're dealing we're talking now about uh you know time management and stewardship of a limited resource called time mm-hmm. and so so the question being, is it okay for Christians to spend time reading fiction? Um, definitely theology and personal growth type things are good. Theology is meaning the, the study of God and the study of, uh, yeah, of His Word and the things that we get directly from His Word. Uh, biography, true stories of actual people, that's also super helpful and beneficial. 
And honestly, for a long, long time, that's all I ever read was those two things. Um, a new discovery for me in the past few years has been that I truly believe that there is value in time spent reading fiction as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus was a master storyteller. Um, he would use compelling fictional stories to make a point. Uh, we call them parables. Matthew thirteen thirty four. I think we've mentioned it on this podcast before. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. And it says, it was right after Jesus had, had listed out several parables, the parable of the soils, um, or, or some people call it the parable of the, the sower, mm-hmm. um, and a couple other parables back to back to back. And right after that, it says this, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowd. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. Um, and I think there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason why Jesus, God with skin on, who came into our, our, our world, um, used parables, fictional stories, uh, because it captures the imagination. Um, it paints a picture on the canvas of our mind, so to speak, and it's in full color. Like mm-hmm. we can, we can picture these things. We can, we can actually, in our minds, we can go to these places. We can, uh, we can, yeah. It captures our imagination. Our imagination is kind of like a muscle, and it, it only develops and grows if we use it. And I, I think he gave us an imagination for for good things. We can totally pervert it um, in in wrong ways, but I think he gave us our imagination for for really good things. Um, so the kind of so a couple of things about reading fiction, the kind of fiction you choose to read matters. Right. Um, and you know, so we can ask ourselves like, does it exalt heroic self-sacrifice or does it more exalt self-centered indulgence? Um, there's a big difference between reading something like, the Chronicles of Narnia or reading some type of uh, romantic novel that is basically literary porn. Um, exactly. One, one kind of fiction gives us little reflections of the hero of history um, and his ultimate sacrifice for his enemies. That would be me included and you um, to make his enemies family. Like, some fiction kind of, when we see that heroic work being done in that fictional story, it reminds us of the ultimate hero of history. Whereas other types of fiction are really just kind of like, it's just Darwinian kind of law of the jungle. Eat, you know, eat or be eaten type mindset. And, um, and so the kind of fiction you choose really does matter. Um, uh, another thing I would just say is don't build your entire worldview on a fantasy or sci-fi work of fiction. Um, I, again, I think there's value in fantasy and sci-fi stuff, um, but but to, not to build a whole worldview on because that's what the Bible is for. Right. Um, you know, we we see a fictional work through the lens of a biblical worldview, not vice versa. Um, and 
you get to with fiction, you get to visit a, another place in your mind. But keep in mind, we still need to live in the reality of this world. You know, let it give you insights. Let the fictional work give you insights into the beauty and the brokenness of the actual world we we live in. And uh, and so, you know, I mean, there there are fictional writers that have done incredible things with their work. I mean, develop the languages for their people in those fictional worlds to speak all kinds of stuff. Um, incredible. And at the same time, like, just remember, <laughs> remember what's pretend and remember what's real. And, and uh, yeah, just make sure your, your biblical world is, is the, the lens that you're, you're looking through. Um, if someone were wanting to know, like, what are, you know, good, Fictional works. I mean, there's so many, but just a few. And like I said, this is new to me. Uh-huh. So I don't have a whole lot to, to say, but some of them for me that have been good. Obviously, Chronicles of Narnia, um, Moby Dick. I, all, uh, it was an abbreviated version, so it made it much more chewable for me. Yeah, that, uh, that book is super long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was, this was, in fact, I got it at Target in the $1 section. Um, hey, that's a deal. That's a deal right there. It was a steal. It was a, yeah. Uh, same deal they did with White Fang. They, it's like the abbreviated mm-hmm. version. And, uh, man, both of those, they, they were totally captured my imagination. It was good. Um, anyway, there's others, but, but that's kind of that, that question. That's good, Daniel. It's really good. Awesome. Okay. Jeremy, question for you. Okay. When and how. Did I confront a Christian brother or sister about sin in their life? That's a really good question. And something that I even asked a couple of people last night as I was thinking through this and um, yesterday. Um, and I just kind of came to, to this little, little point here. And I, I hope that this makes sense. But um, we're not called to go around and call out everyone's sin in this world. I don't believe. I don't. I feel like sometimes um, we have to check our motivations by why um, we feel the need to to tell somebody they're caught up in sin. Um, we are called to preach the gospel. Um, the gospel is what changes people's hearts, and the world is going to act like the world. So we mm-hmm. need to be a light in this world. And so, you know, sometimes I think I know the question says a fellow believer, but I think sometimes. Even in that, people think, well, I'm going to call out everybody. Um, yeah. you know, what, if anybody I see that's caught in something that I don't agree with, they feel like it's their responsibility to do that. And so I, I don't yeah. think, I think we need to pull back on that a little bit. So, but when it comes to a believer, we are to hold each other accountable. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe we still need to check out our motivation on why we are confronting a brother that's in sin or a sister. Sometimes folks want to call out, out, out sin and someone on, uh, that maybe they think they have a relationship with, even like a fellow believer that's on Twitter that, uh, you know, has, has fallen or that is, is doing something that they don't agree with. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not your responsibility to do that because you don't really have a relationship with that person. You have a, you know, preconceived, you know, you've got this idea that you guys are, are buddies, but it's not really <laughs> your, your, your call to do that. And, and on the flip side of that, man, it really does, um, can cause you to just start looking at yourself as, oh man, I'm so glad that I'm not that person. 
Um, you know, but, kind of like the Pharisee with the tax collector. You're right, and so I think the the majority and the time is is what's the heart behind what you're doing? Are you genuinely concerned for that person? And if it's somebody that's on Twitter, if it's somebody that's on Facebook, most of the time, it's not because you're genuinely concerned for their well-being. You want to be able to just say something in the moment so that your voice is heard and so that others can see, okay, well, that guy, he must be really walking with the Lord because listen to that statement that he just gave them. And so we really need to look at the motivation behind why we're we're approaching and confronting a brother or sister that has... um, uh, is definitely walking in some sort of sin. And so we, we should confront the sin of those that God has entrusted us with. We have to examine our own lives and then with love and grace, try and confront the sin that is causing an issue in that believer's life. In first John one nine, it reminds us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. um, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It, It all comes down to this. What is my motivation behind confronting the sin? I, yeah. ho- I hope that it is that, that it's from a heart that loves the person and wants to see them grow in their relationship with Christ. I miss my friend Brandon. Um, my friend Brandon passed away um, earlier this year um, <clears throat> from cancer. And man, we, I, I can vividly remember sitting on our back porch when I lived in Weatherford, Oklahoma, and we were watching an OU football game with a fire pit. And he came over and Brandon was one of the goofiest guys in the world. Um, but in this moment we were sitting outside and he just, he, he turned the volume down on the TV and he said, Hey, he goes, is there anything in your life right now um, that I don't know about that? If uh, in the next few weeks or months or whatever years could come out and could ruin your, your walk with the Lord and ruin your ministry? Are there things that, that maybe you're, you're hiding? And man, if, if that would have come from somebody else in that moment that didn't have a yeah. relationship with me, that didn't know my heart, I, you know, you can take that and be like, man, I don't have anything to say to you. But I remember mm-hmm. sitting on that, on that back porch and just saying, no, I said, I, I've, I've always been honest with you, Brandon. And I remember from his heart, he had a brother who had just failed morally in ministry the week before and Mm -hmm. it it had crushed him. And so the heart behind why Brandon was asking me those things was that I knew that he knew my heart. I knew that, that he wanted the best for my life. And so when he asked those questions to me, I was, I was more apt to that. Even if I didn't really want to answer the question, even if I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like I wanted to say something, I knew the heart and it made me evaluate my own life. And so we need to be those types of friends. We don't need to be looking to make a scene so that others see how holy we are, but we need to genuinely be concerned for one another and, and really look at, the, look at the, the speck in our eye as well before we go and have those conversations. And so I, I think the motivation has always got to be from a heart that wants the best and loves that person. And um, I, think, I think we have to be very careful how we approach it, but I do believe that we are called to hold our brothers and sisters accountable. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And I, man, I couldn't agree more about the motivation factor. And, and even like with what you said about Brandon, I mean, he, he came to you one-on-one right. to ask even just that question. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus said to do right. um, is, is not to start out in, in the public arena, but one-on-one. You're right. Uh, and it's a tough so thing. Cool. It's a tough thing, Daniel, because you don't, Nobody, nobody, I mean, unless like enjoys confronting someone, but 
man, if we truly love one another and we do have that relationship with those people, man, we, we have to do it in love. And, um, and, uh, it's just a great reminder that, that all things should be approached from the mindset of, I want the best for my friend. And, mm-hmm. if, and if that costs a little bit of pain in that moment, I'm willing mm-hmm. to do that. So. Really good. Really good. Um, okay. And then, um, the, the second question that I've got, uh, is, is gender and sexual redefining a sin? And, um, I want to answer this with clarity and also with kindness or, or gentleness. Um, and, and I hope that if, if anyone listening to this does struggle in this area or loves someone that struggles in this area, which hopefully that's a lot of us. Um, and I hope you'll hear this out to the very end. Um, so confusion entered into the world when sin entered the garden and, and what a strategy. In fact, when Doug and I were just talking about confusion, um, having a conversation about that, uh, one of the things he pointed out, which I think is so true is, is what a strategy of the devil to take that confusion right down to the very core of our identities. And, and I do think that we live in a world of confusion in so many areas in my life, for sure. And this is one that, that definitely is a real struggle for folks. Um, so the question is almost a yes, no question, but I know it's more than that. Um, so the question is, is gender and sexual redefining a sin? Uh, the short answer is yes. Uh, gender and sexual redefining is a sin. It's not the only sin. It's not the unpardonable sin, but it is sin. If we are defining sin in a biblical way as disobedience and rebellion towards God, um, the image bearing creature rebelling against the creator. Um, it, because it's God who assigns maleness and femaleness to every human being with clear markers of distinction in our anatomy externally and even all the way down to the chromosomal level. Genesis 127 is where uh, it's actually, it's, it's a little piece of poetry um, in Genesis 127. It says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Again, just reminding us, like, there is zero distinction in the image of God in, in being male or female. Like, like equally, both male and female, equally in the image of God, of equal value, of equal worth, of equal dignity. And it is God who assigns it. God who chooses to create each human, uh, male or female, as he chooses. Um, so, therefore... We are to enjoy finding ways to reflect the image of God through our masculine strengths for those born male and our feminine strengths for those born female. By the way, that doesn't just mean, uh, in fact, it doesn't mean uh, trucks and guns for guys, and it doesn't mean um, uh, it doesn't mean crochet and cooking for girls. Um, it's, it's much more, it's much broader than that. 
uh, and we do have those helps in Scripture. But we're to, we're to find ways to, to reflect the image of God in our masculine strengths, born, if we're born male, feminine strengths, if we're born female, content and trusting the God, the, the, the Creator God, in His choice to create each of us. Um, so when we try to redefine gender or sexual orientation, we're saying, yeah, God, I know what you want but I don't feel like that and I'm going to do what I want. Um, it's probably more disorienting and painful. Um, and I know that because over the years uh, of getting to pastor uh, and love people, um, there's been many opportunities to, to walk alongside families, um, and individuals for whom this is a very real, struggle and and i know that it is painful and i know that it's disorienting um because it's so deeply tied to issues of identity um however at its root it's really no different than the rebellious attitude of all of our sins because if you get down to the root of all of our sins we're, we're all saying yeah god i know what you want but I don't feel like that, and I'm going to do what I want. Mm-hmm. Like that, That's at the root of every single sin. Um, so, so if you're a friend or a family member of someone who struggles in this area, don't let the, the attitude be so shocking to you. You know, when, when that friend or that loved one or family member says, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm, a man, but I feel like a woman, or I, you know, whatever the, I'm same sex attracted, or whatever the case may be. Um, don't let that attitude be so shocking to you because it's the same attitude at the root of all of our sin, um, for which we all need a savior and a Lord. Um, and know that if, if someone struggles with same sex, sex attraction or gender confusion, it's a real struggle. And it's a real temptation. If it weren't, no one would do it. Um, like, and so there's no need to kind of negate the temptation just because it's not your temptation. Um, we don't need to just, if, if that's not your temptation, if that's not your struggle, you don't need to say to that family member, friend, loved one, man, you're just making this up. You're just, or, or you know, this isn't even a real or to act like it's not a real thing. It is a real thing. Like it's a real struggle. Um, in the same way that so many other sins and so many other temptations are a real struggle, even if it's not the same one you wrestle with. That's so true. Um, does that make sense? That makes, I mean, that makes so, so much sense. And And we need to remember that temptation and sin are not the same thing. Um, if someone struggles with same-sex attraction, well, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily giving into it. I mean, like we can, we right. can walk alongside a, a brother or sister and, and help them not give into that temptation. Um, you know, and in, in all of these areas, temptation and, and sin are not the same thing. Um, what, what we do need to say, um, uh, is that God's ways are best. For all of us, even when we don't feel like it. 
Uh, and all of us have areas in our life where <laughs> where we know what God's way is. Yep. And we know that he says it's good and we're, we're, we're called to believe that it's good, but in the moment we don't feel like it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but God's ways are best for all of us, even when we don't feel like it. And we all need a miracle of mercy to become a new creation in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully there is forgiveness for all who will repent and believe on Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. And thankfully, there is clarity for any for all of our confusion. Um, if as long as we will submit to God as God, as long as we we'll let God be God, yes, and not try to to take on that role for ourselves. And and the way I, I want to just end kind of my answer to this is is from First Corinthians uh, six nine through eleven. And, and I just think, man, I love this. It's full of so much hope. Uh, it's very, it definitely um, presents the seriousness of sin, but it, it also shows the incredible hope of the gospel. And it says this, um, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolater, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so that's the seriousness of sin. And here, here comes the hope of the gospel. And such were some of you. He's talking now to believers who, who used to live in all these different ways, these lifestyles of sin. He says, and such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so, man, um, super thankful that there's hope and, and that there's clarity. And isn't it so good to know that we ha- we can be forgiven? And, yeah. And, and the gospel just reminds us all the time that, man, we— we we can do nothing apart from from Christ, and so you know even our greatest works are filthy rags. And so, man, what yeah. what a great hope to lean in on that man. Um, we have forgiveness, and it's found in Christ. Absolutely, man. And Absolutely. He can still use us, and that just that blows me away. Right, it's, it's it's right. It goes beyond. It's like grace on top of grace. It goes beyond just forgiveness. Like that would be crazy by itself, but then to actually adopt us into mm-hmm. his own family and, and give us roles in his kingdom to do meaningful things. That's just awesome. It is. <laughs> cool. Okay. So, uh, man, I'm super thankful always to Jeremy for, for producing this podcast, but even, even more so today because of just <laughs> the crazy circumstances. Thank you, man, for, you for making it all work. Um, and we always want to thank you guys who are out there listening to this podcast in all kinds of different places and on, on your own schedule. Um, thanks for listening and we hope it's helpful and we always love questions and love it when you turn those in. And so, um, there's three ways to do it. Uh, you can use the email three questions podcast at my, my com, And that's the number three at the beginning of that email, three questions podcast at myshbc.com. You can go to the website, myshbc.com slash contact, or you can text 
505-258-2076. Questions will always be kept anonymous. And remember that the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions.